Hello, and welcome to Sharing Real Hope. My name is Mike Hall. The purpose for the Church of Jesus Christ is the Great Commission. There is no doubt about it. We have a very specific and focused mission as the body of Christ. Jesus put it to us this way in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, as he was there speaking with his apostles before he ascended. He said that he had been given, had been given authority, all authority in heaven and earth, and he told them, uh, as you're going, make disciples of all nations. And he said, I am with you. You have my authority. And he said, uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, words, proclaim the gospel to them, let me save them, you help them publicly identify with me through baptism, and then teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Uh, Not only do you proclaim the gospel, but uh, after they are saved, they've become disciples, learners, you teach them to observe, to keep, to obey all that I've commanded you. And that process just repeats itself over and over again. A disciple becomes a discipler, and and their disciple becomes a discipler, and on and on it goes. The question mark, has this purpose been accomplished so far? And we're going to take a look at that, and let's go all the way back to the beginning. Let's go back to Acts chapter 1, and there we see Jesus gathering his uh, followers together, and uh, he is about ready to ascend back to the Father, and and uh, they've asked him, you know, Father, or Jesus, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, uh, it is not for you to know the times or the epics which the Father is fixed by his own authority. And then he says this, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. But he uh, had told them, before you do anything, you wait here in Jerusalem until I send you the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, you'll receive power. And as a result of that, you'll be my witnesses. That word witness there, um, in, in our context, it's, it's somebody that tells what they have seen and heard and experienced. And the word in the original language the New Testament was written in, uh, it, it literally transliterates over as martyrs. Because those who witnessed for Jesus in those early days, many of them ended up becoming martyrs, becoming uh, people that lost their lives for the sake of the gospel. He said, you'll be witnesses for me. You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem. That's hometown. That's where they were waiting. And then in Judea, that's the surrounding state, the surrounding area, the surrounding part of that country. And then in Samaria, the country next door. And then even to the remotest part part of the earth. Well, um, here we go. Uh, there, there, let's take a look at this early church in its, in its beginning stages in the book of Acts. Uh, let's see what happens after chapter 1, verse 8, where he said, you'll be witnesses 
witnesses. We come to chapter 2, and and we see the um, immediate response of the 120. Let me just get to to that first before we get to chapter 2. The immediate response of the 120 to Jesus after he had uh, ascended, verses 12 to 14, says this, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the upper room where they were staying, and it names uh, the apostles that were there, and it says these uh, all were with one mind, continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And uh, and there was about, verse 15 says there's about 120 of them that were gathered there. They waited there. Now, chapter 2 talks about as they waited on the day of Pentecost, uh, they uh, the Holy Spirit came. I don't have time on this podcast to read all those scriptures. You can read chapter 2, but the Holy Spirit came. They were filled with the Spirit, uh, and they began to speak in languages that they didn't know how to speak in, but uh, the people that were gathered there from various parts of the world, the Jews that spoke those languages, heard them and saw that it was a supernatural uh, thing, but some of them said they're drunk. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up and preached his first sermon, and he preached Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You can read that great sermon in chapter 2. And then when you come to verse 41, the scripture says, Those who received his word were baptized that day. There were added about 3,000 souls. Wow, what a great response. And that was a supernatural response. That was a God thing that 3,000 people on that day uh, received the word that Peter preached. They were repented, were converted, and on that very day were baptized. Somebody's arms were tired uh, at the end of that day. 3,000 people baptized. And then uh, the subsequent behavior of those people uh, is recorded in verse 42. It says they were continually devoting. That is a strong term there. They were convo- devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, That would have been the Word of God, the inspired Word of God, because God's Word came through the apostles. And to fellowship, that was uh, koinonia, that was sharing in common, sharing the good and the bad. To the breaking of bread, that was uh, the Lord's table, that was keeping Christ in the center of everything, the gospel of Christ, that's what the Lord's table represents, the gospel of Christ in the center of things. And they were continually devoting themselves to prayer, and everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their property and possessions and shared them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, they were continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. A real revival broke out in Jerusalem. God was doing some amazing things. The church was really growing. In chapter 3, we have the story of <clears throat> Peter and John going up to the temple to pray and the healing of the lame man and the response of the crowds and the message that Peter preached again, again, preaching Christ and him crucified. And then 
chapter 4, verse 1 says, As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They laid hands on them, put them in jail until the next day. And many of those who heard the message that day believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. So you see uh, there's persecution there as they're proclaiming. The first uh, recorded incident of persecution. And, and, and so what did they do with that? Well, chapter 4, verses 8 to 31 gives us their reaction. Uh, they, they, uh, when Peter was brought before the Sanhedrin, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and again, he preached Jesus. And he said, there's salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven that's been given among men, whereby men may be saved. He was not afraid to preach. And so they, uh, they, they threatened them, said, don't preach anymore in Jesus' name. They released them. Uh, Peter and, and, and uh, John go back, and they report it to, the, to their fellow believers, and they prayed. Verse 31 says, when they prayed, the place they gathered together was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And the congregation of those that believed were of one heart and soul. Not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him was his own. All things were common property to them. And with great power, the, the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was upon them all. Even in the midst of persecution, they were experiencing uh, God's, God's blessing. Uh, and and they were living together in in uh, in true body life, caring for each other. You heard me read that. Acts chapter five verse fourteen says, "And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. <laughs> it's beyond numbers now. It's just multitudes were being added to their number." Chapter six verse verse seven says this, "And the word of the Lord kept on spreading, and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly." in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. So there was a powerful thing going on in Jerusalem. But you know, Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the remotest part of the earth. So in chapter 8, we see that it was time in God's time for them to branch out of Jerusalem. This great revival, this, these many, many multitudes of people coming to Christ. But he said, that's not enough. I told you to go other places. And so chapter 8 says, Saul, who was Paul, in hearty agreement with putting uh, Stephen to death, on that day great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Uh, and, and it says in verse 4, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. And the crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip. And it says in verse 12, but when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. And so you see the word is spread to Samaria. And, uh, and, Verse 25 says, uh, there were, they were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. And so God had them out in Judea, in Samaria, and the word was being proclaimed. Well, I'm hurrying on. If you go to chapter 9, you see the conversion of 
Paul of Saul, the one that was persecuting them, a mighty conversion, and that was the seed that was planted for eventually a ministry to the Gentiles. In chapter 10, you see Peter going down to Cornelius' house, a Gentile, and, and the, the Scripture says that while Peter was preaching the gospel, still speaking the, the words of the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening, and the, the circumcised believers, the Jews that came with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles. So here we have um, the first record of Gentile converts after the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached to them. Acts chapter 13, uh, Paul has, is growing in the Lord and he is connected to the church at Antioch and the leaders got together and, and uh, laid their hands on Paul and Barnabas and sent them away on what was Paul's first missionary journey. And Paul began preaching to Jews in these various Gentile cities. He would go to the synagogues. But there came a point where the Jews in these synagogues were rejecting the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in Acts chapter 13, verse 46, we read, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It is necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, to the Jews first. But since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. And so here we see the beginning of Paul be, uh, reaching out with the gospel to the remotest part of the earth. Do you see the pattern there? Jesus said, you're going to be filled with the Spirit. You're going to have power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. It happened. In Judea and Samaria, it happened, even though persecution is what precipitated it. And then God raises up Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, and to the remotest part of the earth through his ministry and through his uh, writing the inspired Word of God. The gospel came to the Gentiles, to the remotest part of the earth. 2,000 plus years later, right now, we see the church, a billion plus, claim the name of Christ. Now, are all of them true disciples of Christ? Only God knows. But I'll tell you this, Jesus said He'd build His church. And he's done it. Jesus gave a mission to the church. And even though we haven't always done it well, the mission is still being carried out over 2,000 years after Jesus gave it. I'm rejoicing in that. I'm so glad to be allowed and honored to be a part of that. Aren't you? I hope that you'll rejoice in that and that you'll find someone today to share Jesus Christ with. Well, until the next podcast, God bless. Thank you for listening to this edition of Sharing Real Hope. We hope that you were encouraged in your walk with Christ by what you heard. Please take a moment to email us with your questions, prayer requests, and comments. Our email address is sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Again, that's sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website at sharingrealhope.org. Until next time, keep living in and sharing real hope.